0: Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree and I am so excited to welcome today's special guest. She is a world-class athlete, an iconic, legendary bodybuilder, and an activist for the lives of the transgender people today. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome her onto the show. A big, big, big warm welcome to the incredible Janae Marie Kroc. Wonderful to have you on the show. Today we're welcoming Janae Marie Croc. How are you?
1: I'm doing amazing. How are you doing?
0: I am excellent. It's so great to get to speak with you. I just, I'm late to the game, but I just watched Transformer on Netflix.
1: Oh, oh thank you. Glad you enjoyed it.
0: Yes, what an incredible story, and we're going to get to all that, but I want to start with your life, pandemic-wise. How are you doing uh, through this last year of this ridiculous and, and horrible pandemic? Are you doing okay?
1: Uh, you know, overall, I'm doing pretty well. I've been pretty fortunate. None of my family or friends or myself have been really adversely affected as far as health-wise. Uh, we did, I did have it, and um, so did a few of my family members, but for us, it was pretty mild, so we were pretty lucky.
0: Wow, yeah. you, you had it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like it, it was pretty mild for me. I felt horrible for about 24 hours and then I had a persistent cough for a few weeks, but really that, that, that was about it for me. So I was one of the lucky ones.
0: Well, yeah. Cause you hear about these lingering effects, right? This long-term, uh, health, health effects that, that are a potential. And I know, you know, how important physical, you know, activity is in your world. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you weren't left with any of that.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit concerned about you know especially cardiovascular wise, and I do a lot of mountain biking now. I compete jujitsu and and I'm into a lot of things, and I was I was worried like oh my gosh, is this going to impact my cardio? Am I going to have breathing issues after this? And, but I, like I said, I've been fortunate; it doesn't seem to have affected me at all like that. And like I said, when I got it, it it was just kind of like it you know kind of like felt like having the flu. But I was really wiped out for about 24 hours. Didn't get out of bed and you know, just felt exhausted and didn't eat that day. But by the next day I started feeling better. And like I said, the biggest thing was I had a lingering cough for a few weeks and that was about that.
0: Yeah. Did you, have you, have you received the vaccination yet? I haven't.
1: I'm going to be um, shortly. I, that's a waiting to, I was actually just uh, emailing my healthcare provider about that, but yeah, yeah I'm going to take care of soon. Have you been able to get yours?
0: Yeah, I did. I'm in New York city and uh, I, I received my first dose of the Moderna vaccine and I I don't know it wiped me on my ass like it knocked me right out. Maybe I'm just a big you know wuss about it. But uh, I've also heard running around the rumor mill that if you've already had Covid, whether or not you knew about it. uh, The first dose is supposedly worse than the second dose and vice versa. If you've never had Covid, it's the second shot that 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 kicks you uh, down, you know? But I, I, who knows if that's fact? That's just me yeah, speculating. I, yeah,
1: your- I don't know from a healthcare perspective, I'm not really sure. I mean, it, so basically like I'm I'm a pharmacist too, I don't, it, um, but uh, when people have a reaction to the vaccine, that's it's your immune system responding to a foreign substance. So it's not, you're actually not getting sick from the vaccine, what it is, it's your body responding to it. So it's your own immune system reaction. And I suppose that could make sense if um, you've already been exposed to it, your body knows what it is and it's responding to it. Um, but yeah, I can't confirm whether that's one hundred percent
0: true. Right, or not. right, Doctor Croc. Yeah. I'll be calling you if I feel it for <laughs> for my second round. I'll be saying, "What the hell is going on here?" Uh, but know. it is—it's so—it's such a thrill to get you uh, on the show, and of course, in beautiful video format. You look lovely. I'm so oh, thrilled to be able to see you and. Um, There's a a lot has happened in your life and also in uh, society's, I guess, uh, conversation, understanding and embracing of the trans experience since your 2017 doc, Transformer, which was Mm -hmm. uh, a Netflix production. Uh, I want to talk to you about life since Transformer. Catch us up.
1: Okay, yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, a lot has changed. A lot's still the same, but... um, yeah, so my boys. Um, you know, a lot of people commented on the relationship I have with my sons, and they were obviously a big part of that. And um, they're all grown up now. My youngest is in college. Um, he's he's a freshman in college. He's on the pole vault team at Davenport University, so he's super excited about that. My oldest is a senior at University of Michigan. He's getting ready to graduate with his bachelor's. And um, and then my middle son's an ironworker now, and my brother's an ironworkers union, and got him in, so he's working as an iron worker. So yeah, hard to believe, but they're, they're all young men now. And um, yeah, as far as myself, um, I know a lot of people ask about the whole job situation because we are really happy to get the documentary. So it took me about 11 months, but I did find another job as a pharmacist, um, worked in a hospital for about a year and a half. And then I left that about a year and a half ago to focus on activism, writing, speaking, and everything full time. Little did I know COVID was gonna hit, and um, Last year, I had a lot of speaking engagements booked throughout the entire year. And of course, virtually all of those got canceled. I, I did a couple um, virtual conferences, but that was really about it. So that was kind of a rough impact for me. That was one of the biggest impacts it had on my life as far as like financially, I had to kind of figure things out and what I was going to do because that was my primary source of income. Yeah and uh yeah basically every single conference except like i said a couple went online but other than that they were all canceled and and, and all that stuff is still on hold as i'm sure most people are aware so um but yeah so then I'm uh, so still doing a lot of writing and stuff and then um also i just recently opened my own gym. i'm actually in the process of that right now and uh so super exciting and and i uh, a lot of fun with that and a little bit nerve-wracking it's a big investment and uh you know a lot of time and energy but uh But really excited about that. We're just opening up right now, and grand openings on May first in a couple weeks. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Still, you know, still training all the time, and uh, recently started practicing jujitsu and started competing in that, and really enjoying that as well. But uh, yeah, overall life is great. I can't complain, and I feel very fortunate.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you're, you know, finding ways to work with the conditions of the world right now, which is something we need to applaud ourselves for. Tell us more about this new project. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I need more detail. Let's say.
1: Okay, so, um, so it's, it's a, it's a gym that's uh, primarily like powerlifting focused, but, um, but it, but it, you know, everyone's welcome, of course, and. Um, But, uh, but we finally primarily focus on strength athletes and, you know, the stuff that I'm really passionate about powerlifting, bodybuilding, strongman, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. And, um, really any athlete that's serious about gaining strength. And, um, I've wanted to do this for a long time. It's something that I've been going back and forth on for years, but I wasn't, what I was unsure about was whether it was financially viable, you know, can I, can I cater to this little niche and still, you know, pay the bills and keep the lights on and, um, so that was my concern because the gym industry is so competitive and Then with COVID and everything being shut down. Fortunately, right now the gyms are open here in Michigan, you know, with certain restrictions, but, um, but that shouldn't impact me as, as far as going forward. And I'm hoping once, you know, the vaccine is more widely distributed and we can get back to more semblance of a normal life that uh, things will go well. But uh, right now everything looks very positive. And it's super exciting and,
0: and uh,
1: yeah, can't complain.
0: You're also a celebrity now, you know, that, that also happened. You're very much, you know, a person who's out there in, you know, the news media headlines. You've got uh, a big fan following. So what's life like after, you know, stardom, let's say, how's that adjustment going?
1: (laughs) You know, it's, 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 it's one of those things that, um, you know, it took a little bit getting used to it first, right? Getting recognized out in public and things like that. And I had a little bit of that from my success in powerlifting, you know, beforehand. And, you yeah. know, I was on like for college magazines, but that's a small community. Like, so in the strength world, I was very well known. So like, like if I was at an expo, like the Arnold class or the Olympia, yeah, I'd walk in and it was like getting to play superstar for a weekend. But then when I go home and I was just another big Jack person, right? Like, so go back to normal life. And um, now there's definitely more of that. And, then, and um, Obviously, you know, different, like it's more mainstream now and different people recognize me and uh, it's very interesting. But, you know, it's not the kind of fame that like mainstream Hollywood stars or pro athletes and, you know, in the mainstream sports face. But uh, but it, it gives you a little taste sometimes of what people go through. And there's definitely a lot of positive aspects to it. I, I think the, mo- the, the nicest thing about the whole thing is the ability to connect with other people and have an impact on their lives and hopefully in a positive way. And that's one thing I'm very thankful for is I receive a lot of messages through social media and my website, um, just about like, you know, people that saw my story and, and it inspired them, or maybe they could relate, had similar issues I help them deal with with all the feelings they were having. And, and that was really my main goal of when I agreed to do the documentary. You know, I, I explained to the director when we, he flew out and met me ahead of time and, you know, wanted to kind of pitch what he had in mind. And My main concern was sensualization, right? Like having this turned into a freak show. I mean, me being me, this big muscular person and also being trans. And I'd had that, some of the interviews and stuff I had done before that, that happened to me a couple of times. So that was my main concern. And, and I told him, I said, look, I'm not so much concerned about trying to be some kind of reality star or anything like that. I just, but if my story, if it can help inspire people like me and help educate people that don't understand, then I'm all for it. And, and he was really on that same page. And I was really pleased with the job he did on the documentary and how he just told our story. And there was... There was no like there was no political bias, there was no agenda, there was no nothing was scripted. Everything you right. see in the documentary was basically just following us around for a two-year period and you know observing our life. And so the nicest thing about all that and the exposure, especially once it hit Netflix. Was just you know all these people messaging me and you know letting me know that I had a positive impact that my story had a positive impact on their life and yeah, that's been, that's been far the biggest blessing and it's been so nice and and uh, you know I still receive those messages daily and it, it means a lot and, yeah. and you know that that was I would say that's the the uh, brightest point of of all of this
0: yeah that's that's how you and I connected was I was in there dropping some love in that inbox I I couldn't I couldn't resist it was the first thing I did when the credits rolled uh, after watching it so being in that process of telling and, and telling your life story sharing your life so openly and intimately I mean did that make did that make your journey more challenging for you? Was it? Were there hesitations? Uh, how did that even feel? Being just so open to a camera and sharing, you know, some of the, the the challenges in your unique life. Yeah, I think by
1: that point, I'd been hiding everything for so long. By that point, it it really felt like a relief and a weight lifted off my shoulders. Fail to, to be open and honest, and, and to be honest, that's my nature. Like I'm yeah. not. I'm not someone who likes to hide things and and uh, the way I deal with things is talking about them and being open about it. So it was really a relief. But at the same time, yeah, it's kind of weird having cameras in your home all the time. And, but for me, honestly, like I got to be friends with the entire camera crew. I mean, you know, they were back and forth, you know, over a two-year period quite often. They got to know me and my boys and they became friends and I still keep in touch with them to this day. And uh, so when they were there, it was like, we were just hanging out. And I actually had to remind myself that everything was being recorded and everything I said was, you know, <laughs> was being documented. So it, it was, yeah, but it was just, you know, I, for me, like I said, I'm naturally open and honest. I just relaxed and did what I did and put my trust in Michael, the director that, yeah. he, you know, was going to do an honest job and portray everything the way it was. And he really did. So I was really happy with that. But, but yeah, after a little bit of time, it was just, I, I, like I said, I totally forgot they were even there. It's yeah. just like, I'll oh, put the mic on again and get going. But it was like, because I got to know them so well. They were such a great group of people that, yeah, they just became friends. And it was just like us hanging out whenever they were there. We were always laughing and having a good time. And
0: It was like it, an all access pass, you know, like it, it <laughs> felt very much like we were a part of your family. I mean, just the relationship of you and your boys. So, so beautiful. That's the word for it, absolutely beautiful. And it makes me wonder, you know, for other adults that are pursuing their transition or their, you know, their identity journey a little bit later in life after they've lived a life uh, and they, you know, might have kids in the picture. How, like, is there, are there words, are there words you have for them about, you know, staying as as confident and as fearless and as compassionate in that journey?
1: Yeah, I think the important thing, especially with your own children, is just honesty. You know, being open and honest. And and for luckily for myself, I told them they were very little, so they knew their whole lives. So this was never a secret that I had to like come out to them. I mean, and it was and it was hard because my ex was totally against that. She felt that it was going to be. She said it would mess them up and and all this. And I, I I explained exactly the opposite. I said it'll be much harder if I wait. And sooner or later they're going to find out, right? Like. Yeah. And, and at this point, like I was still closeted about everything. Um, but, uh, but I said, when they find out, they're going to wonder, why didn't you tell us? Why weren't you honest about this? And if, it, if it's nothing to be ashamed of, why did you hide it? Yeah. And, um, so I just you know, felt right from the beginning, This it's important to be open and honest. And the thing that did was it really established a strong bond between all of us and that trust. They knew that I was never going to hide anything from them. I would never lie to them. And that really had a, a huge impact on our relationship. And I think you can see that in the documentary. I mean, we're really close and, and they're, they're super supportive, obviously, and um, yeah, to them, it's just, you know, they've known me this way their entire lives. It's just who I am and they don't see it as being any different than, you know, anything else. And, and for them, the great thing about it too was it, they grew up being very open-minded, understanding people are very complex and complicated and everyone's different in their own ways. So they've never been, you know, judgmental of other people and, and, um, you know, been very open and accepting to a lot of different people from all over. And and I think that is one of the most important things that me being open and sharing everything with them helped them understand and help them learn. So, yeah, yeah, any advice would just be, you know, honesty. And even though it's difficult, I mean, gosh, when I was first coming out, it's terrifying, right? Like you you think that you're going to lose all your friends. You worry that, you know, your whole life is going to be impacted. No one's going to understand. No one's going to love you. You're not going to have any relationships. And uh, it just feels like the worst thing in the world. And it drives a lot of us to contemplate suicide. I got to that point and I went through that. And, and um, it was it was really rough. But uh, but just, I want people to know, it. you know, it sounds cliche, but it really does get better. It's, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. It's going to be hard. But it, I can absolutely say with 100% certainty, it's it's well worth it, no matter what you have to go through. In the end, it will be totally worth it. Just kind of, you know, you're gonna endure a few hardships along the way, but but overall it's it's a really good process. And I mean, for anyone to be able to be yourself, especially when you've been suppressing that, it's, it's so important and so and so integral to just being a complete person and really being happy with who you are. And like I said, won't be easy, but definitely be worth it.
0: Yeah, it's it's one life. We've got this one life, right? We really exactly. do. Can I ask what uh what pulled you through those moments?
1: My voice, honestly, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't want to get uh, no, no, too emotional, but um but yeah, when I was in the going through the really difficult spots, um, thinking about them was what kept me going,
0: yeah, 100%. yeah. I'm so, I'm so excited for the people that they are, you know, for, for, for what they've, what they've, the journey that they've gone on with you and the men that they've become, I mean, this is, we need more of this in the world and, and it, it takes experiencing it at the level with someone like you, who is there to be as completely, you know, uh, open and sincere with them along the way in this journey. It's it's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, that's where I really think visibility, like sometimes people don't understand how important visibility is. And yes. for a long time, and even now we still have like so much of the trans community is completely hidden. I mean, I have friends and I, and I don't blame them because it is, a very, it is very difficult to be open and there is a serious risk of violence and discrimination. Yeah. And so I don't blame anyone that's living in stealth, but a lot of people don't understand that a large portion of our community is is there every day, and they don't even know it. It's their coworkers, even their friends. They have no idea these people are trans, but they're, these people are too afraid of the consequences of coming out. and And I have a lot of friends that live that way stealth. Like, there's no one. A lot of times they move, they start over, and um, you know, their coworkers, their friends have no idea, and they're too terrified of the consequences to be out about it. But if everyone was able to be visible, I think people would absolutely be shocked of how many of us there are and how you know, quote unquote, normal we are. That's like, you know, unfortunately media and movies have really portrayed the trans community in a very negative light. And if people don't know someone that's trans personally, their only idea is what, like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs and, you know, things like that. And that's their idea. They think we're some kind of, you know, these weirdo perverts and predators and all this, which the reality is a trans community. We're just like everyone else. I mean, some of us are amazing loving people. Some of us are complete jerks. You know, some of us, some of us are super successful, and some of us aren't. It's just we're just like everyone else, all walks of life. The only difference is is that you know we've had issues with our gender, you know, entire lives. Yeah. And um, but yeah, visibility. If, it's it's easy to hate something you don't understand or you've had no exposure to. But when you get to know people and you know someone, like I said, this is a friend, a coworker, or a family member. It's much more difficult to to have that same level of you know hate or anger or whatever. And um, then you just realize, like, it's not what people think it is. It's just, like I said, we're people just like everyone else.
0: I, I think that there would be a an entirely new reliable power source if people were living their true their true lives and, and pursuing their true happiness through identity, because there'd be this electricity of fulfillment coming off of us, you know? I, oh, I think yeah. that there's, there's a lot of people out there that need to hear this right now, that this is the life and you need to seize it for yourself. You know, and the more that the community comes together, I, it, it will make it easier
1: hundred percent, and I and I think even and even people outside the community. So many of us, you know, hide away. Often the best parts of who we are because we're afraid of judgment from other people. We're afraid of what, you know, our parents will think, our friends will think, our coworkers will think, and so people hide away so many parts of who they are, regardless, of, you know, if they're not trans or part of the LGBT community. But all of us have so many things that we're terrified of being vulnerable about and letting everyone see who we really are. If everyone was able to be open life is so much more enriching and when you're happy like that you carry that positive energy it it impacts everyone around you yeah and hopefully we're i I feel like as a society we're getting there things are becoming better but still a long ways to go but yeah i really hope that like for every single person that they're able to you know be who they are and do the things they love and and live their life as you know themselves
0: and I can see where the activism comes in. I can see where that call to action uh, within yourself and your efforts comes from. Uh, can we uh, get into that journey a little bit? Do you want to let us know what that experience has been like, and what uh, points of change in particular you're really behind in this lifetime?
1: Yeah. So I mean, the biggest thing is, is you know, obviously I'm an advocate for the trans community and for women in general, and especially women in strength sports, because there's so, however oh, so much stuff women have to plow through in that in that arena. And um, so those are the main things that I speak about. But for me, it was, you know, when I started getting, after the documentary came out, or even even just actually after I was outed, it became public knowledge. I started getting lots of requests to speak at, you know, different different events and seminars and things like that. And once I did, I realized like how impactful it was, not only for the audience, you know, the people attending, but also for myself. And um, just sharing my story, and then and some of the mo- most important moments and the biggest things were like after I was done speaking on stage, and I'd be hanging out afterwards, and just talking to some of the people who come there, and just sharing our stories, and it was really, really powerful. And, uh, and that's really what inspired me to leave the pharmacy world was speaking at these conferences, and, and you know, working full time as a pharmacist, it was hard to you know make a lot of the make time for all of this and be able yeah. to travel and speak at all these places. and uh, But there were a couple of conferences a few years ago and a couple of women's conferences I spoke at back to back. And after the second one in New York City, um, it, it was just very clear to me that this is what I need to be doing. This is really important. It has an impact on so many people's lives. And it was just so much more enriching. And, uh, and not that my job at a pharmacist wasn't important or anything like that, but there were a lot of people that could do that job. And I, I felt like what I was doing here was something that um, you know, I was really well suited for and it yeah. was really important and um, and something I, that was very fulfilling for myself as well. So
0: yeah,
1: yeah that, that journey has been amazing. It's helped me grow as a person and, and um, it's really powerful when, you know, you realize you're impacting other people's lives in those ways.
0: Are, are you being uh, approached to comment on some of today's headlines regarding trans athletes? Are you receiving a lot of that?
1: I get a lot of questions and it's something, so I've, I've been planning to make, well, I have made some videos and everything, but I haven't posted them yet because they ended up being so lengthy. Um trans athletes, something I've been, you know, obviously being an athlete myself and being trans is something I've been very interested in doing the research for a long time, like well over a decade I've spoke to, you know, doctors and physicians that consult the IOC and the International Olympic Committee and, um, you know, looked at all the research and studied all the athletes that, you know, have been um, talked about in the media. And, and so I'm very well versed in it and I understand it really well. And I, I just think there's a lot of misinformation and unfortunately intentional disinformation. And, you um, the, you know, I'll be the first to admit that we do need more studies done. The studies that have been done and been on smaller populations and mostly like on middle distance, um, endurance athletes. So we need more studies on strength athletes and sports where speed and strength make more of a difference. But, um, but all the studies we do have, um, all indicate that after a year on hormonal replacement therapy with testosterone levels, either being suppressed or removed and with appropriate estrogen supplementation, um, people's athletic performance decreases significantly. Like yeah. in the one major study, um, middle distance runners, on average, there's about an 11 to 12% difference between male and female competitors in their times. And what they found after one year of formal replacement therapy, the the um, athlete's performance decreased by 11 to 12%. So if they were in the 80th percentile as a male, by the, after a year of HRT, they were in the 80th percentile as a female and their times decreased proportionately. And that's what we've seen you know, largely across the board is estrogen has a significant impact. I mean, obviously, you know, um, testosterone causes, you know, promotes muscle gain and fat loss and estrogen does the opposite. Right. And, um, and then if you remove the testosterone and you replace it with estrogen or a combination of estrogen and progesterone, that's what happened. Muscle mass decreases, uh, body fat increases, hmm. um, endurance decreases, red blood cell count decreases. So you carry less oxygen. And also, like, there's been a lot of misinformation about bone density, and a big issue's been made about bone density and how males have higher bone density. Well, that does normalize in time. When you take away the testosterone replacement with estrogen, um, the bone mass does decrease. But really, this this is like one of those arguments when people are just looking for something. Their real motives are, you know, they're prejudiced or whatever, and they're looking for something to throw out there. I mean, when have you ever turned on ESPN and heard them talking about, oh my gosh, have you seen that athlete's bone density? Like it's it's a ridiculous argument. And here's the thing too, and here's what's really interesting. That was one of the same arguments that were used to keep sports segregated because on, on average people of African descent have much higher bone density than Caucasians or Asians or other people. And this was one of the exact same arguments. So it's like people digging for stuff. And yeah, if we were gonna arrange athletes by bone density, african-american women would be grouped with caucasian men and asian men they have similar bone densities it's just a ridiculous argument wow it really has no impact in the end and it is something that does normalize over time although it does take a lot longer it takes more than a couple of years right but it's just something that really isn't impactful but something for people to throw out there yeah. and to make an argument about but it's just yeah another way to promote prejudice and and. uh but like we do need more studies. There needs to be, and one of the biggest problems too, especially with high school athletes, is there's no there's no standard. There's no regulations. Yeah. it's up to the states, and um, there's wildly different rules. In states like Texas, there it basically whatever your birth certificate says. That's where you're stuck at. And then right. there's states like Connecticut, where as soon as you you know identify as trans, you can immediately start competing um, as your target gender. And I, I think both those things are obviously problematic. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important as, as far as sports go with fairness and everything to require that one year waiting period to allow the body to change, allow those things to happen. And especially for young athletes that haven't gone through puberty yet. And, um, but basically we need, you know, someone to, and to come together and create, um, you know, a standard that can be, um, you know, that can be seen across all the sports and all athletes and, and, and similar to what the Olympics have done and you know, people, we hear this every time there's talk about trans athletes, Mm -hmm. oh, it's the end of women's sports. And they always want to use this term, you know, term when they're, you know, um, referring to transgender women as biological men. So that misgendering and what it makes people think of, you know, when people talk that way, they're thinking about, you know, some big guy with a wig and makeup on, you know, competing in the women's division. And that's not what it is. Like I said, I mean, a large portion of the trans community is completely invisible and people don't even realize we're there. Yeah. But, um, but you need to have those standards and we need more studies and we need to, you know, keep educating people about all of this. There's just so much misinformation. And unfortunately, a lot of this is driven by hate, ignorance, and prejudice. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a topic that I, I do get asked about a lot. It's something I'm passionate about. And, um, and then, uh, and also I, I really want to help move things forward and help educate people. And, uh, I was going
0: to say, would you would you work with a research team? Would you want to, you know, maybe seek out leading the kind of research that needs to happen?
1: Um, absolutely, and like I said, I have been in touch with some of the people that consult with the IOC, and I, I would love to be involved in all of that. And, yeah, you know, educate people, and I think I'm someone too that, you know, I'm obviously I'm trained myself and I'm an athlete, but I but I'm not coming into this with the attitude that. know just let us compete and everyone don't worry about anything else just throw us in there and we should be able to compete no matter what i I think you know it does need to be fair and it does need to be there need to be rules in place and um a lot of people wonder like i myself have chosen not to compete as a woman since i transitioned and 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 that is a lot of people like don't understand that or they misunderstand that as i don't think it's fair and I don't, and I do absolutely. You know, for everything I just shared, obviously, I do think it's fair for athletes, and that's what the research shows us. And that's what. Um, and here's another thing. Before I get off on too many tangents, but so like if you if you Google trans athletes, you're gonna see you know trans woman blah 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 destroys world record. The thing is, none yeah. of that's true. Here, here's the thing. Like, here's the thing that is not like the way this is is um, portrayed and how everything gets twisted and used to get people you know angry and upset about trans athletes so there is not one single sport in the world any sport anywhere where a trans woman has outperformed the best cis female athletes not even close but yet if you google that you would you see all these world records what they don't tell you is these world records were set like in the master's division like in an older division or they were set in um, a small organization that isn't isn't representative of the actual capability of you know all the athletes like um you know there was an athlete who broke some powerlifting quote-unquote world records well they don't tell you is this was a super tiny organization it was basically like a backyard meet. i think the person had one or two competitors in their class and their lifts while they were a world record in that organization yeah. were not were not even within hundreds of pounds of the actual world records but they'll throw an article up on the internet and say broke world record and that's all people see. So they assume, oh my gosh, this trans trans woman is stealing these world records from cis women. Right. But that's not what's happening. And and even um, you know, like there's still so there's one athlete, Laurel Hubbard from New Zealand, who um is, has a good chance of qualifying for the Olympic Games. And I haven't checked on everything recently because they're you know with COVID and everything yeah. being suspended and Last, before the Olympics got suspended initially, she still had to qualify, but there's lots of articles out there. So she won. She has had a lot of success. I mean, she won the Australian Games and she won the Pacific um, Games. And uh, but what people don't tell you, too, is at the world level, those aren't the most competitive competitions. And when she competed at the World Championships in 2019, she took sixth. And that was actually like the, you know, higher than she was expected to place. A lot of people didn't even expect her to place in the top ten. But if you Google her on the internet, all they're going to talk about is her victories and how she's smashing records and, you know, all this stuff. But in reality, she she she's not a threat to beat the top women in the world at all. And she's by far the best trans athlete in any sport as far as success goes. Um,
0: Sounds like there's some agenda pushing, huh, Janae? <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit. Just a little yeah, bit. That's,
1: that's, so that's the thing. I just want to educate people with the truth. And, like, and then a lot of people, too, have heard like another athlete's Fallon Fox, the MMA fighter. Well, she's usually the one one of the ones they throw out there. And they talk, about, Oh my gosh, she smashed these women. You know, she was five and one. And, and um, you know, she was just, you know, you know, really, and then they talk about how, you know, she fractured a woman's skull. Well here again. So what actually happened was the fracture was an orbital bone fracture, which is a very common injury in MMA. Other women have suffered the same thing and they, you know, they made it sound way worse than what it was of her five victories as a pro None of her opponents had a winning record. Two of the women had never won a single fight. And um, and the one woman who beat her has a losing record in the UFC. So they made her out to act like, like she was just dominating the sport and crushing everybody. And while she was doing well, she's never beat any high-level women. But unfortunately, because of all the exposure and everything, and she received so much harassment and everything, she retired from the sport, and now she's done. But that's another thing. You pull up articles on her, and they're just going to talk about her fracturing women's skulls and dominating everybody. Yeah but they don't tell you the whole story. And the whole no. story is, yeah, she was doing well, but she beat low level pros. And like I said, two of the women had never even won a single fight yeah. and her, one, her one loss was to like a mid-level pro. And uh, so it's not, she wasn't out there dominating and she wasn't, you know, you know, hurting these women or causing anything that I any mean, of the other women don't suffer in the sport already, but it's just, it's these, the twisting of the stories and the lies that, you know, obviously, and if you're someone, who you know, just reads the stuff on the internet, doesn't do a ton of research, it's very easy to believe, oh my gosh, trans women are taking over women's sports and they're smashing all these records and it's completely unfair, but the reality is it's not happening. And, right. and it's been, trans women have been competing for a long, long time and they have not had the success that you would think, you know, that you would assume they have just based on a good Google search on the internet.
0: And And so many of these readers of these articles and of this content, you know how many of them just read the headline? don't even go into the content, which furthers the bullshit, but they just read the headline, get enough of those Mm -hmm. behind you. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is a thing. Trans women are taking over.
1: Yeah. You can easily, if you Google trans female athletes, you'll come up with, you know, half a dozen articles right at the top that talk about them smashing world records. But every single one of them, like I said, is either in some small organization that's not representative of the true, the highest people in the sport, or it's like a master's in older division. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's not in the open against the best women. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so where do people go seek the truth?
1: Really you just got to do your research. Unfortunately, I wish there was like one place. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm going to try to help spread all this a lot more, but, um, it, it's just like anything else with all the agendas right now, especially with our country being so polarized, there's so much bias there's so much misinformation. Unfortunately, you've got to do your research. You know, if you see, an, if you see an article and it seems over the top, or even if it doesn't, you know. First of all, find out, you know, research the writer, research the website. Where do they stand on everything? What's their bias? What's their history? And, and also we're being, you know, overwhelmed with all these fake articles. And, you know, that's, I get people forwarding stuff to me all the time. And like about, you know, one person literally forwarded me an article about the vaccine turning people into monsters. It was, <laughs> it was, it was like, and this is, this is real though. I mean, it is it's hilarious. When no, but like Janae, the there people. was
0: a mention about our fillers expanding yeah. in our face. Okay, girls, so <laughs> don't. I was worried for a minute.
1: Yeah, and um, but literally, this person forwarded it to me thinking this was true. And the article literally described people turning into Chewbacca. Like, and, and, I mean, it was, and I was like, oh my gosh, like you read this and you actually thought this was true. And um, but again, you know, probably glossed over it, saw the, saw the title, and you do a little research. You know, I researched the article on the website. It was some new website that had popped up recently. Couldn't find anything about who actually published it. It had four articles on it. And all of them were sensationalized stuff like this. It was right. just completely ridiculous. But, you know, forward it on Facebook. Oh, send it to all your friends, you know. And that's how this stuff gets around and people but get people scared. Should
0: just, we should be embarrassed by just how gullible we're getting, okay? Because, yeah. like, you you put something in bold font doesn't mean it's the truth, okay? Like, we got to be careful here let's not let this get too far out of grip for us Janae, you're so unbelievable i'm so grateful to have you on the show today i have to ask is there some romance in your life
1: well at the moment i'm still single (laughs) uh, i was in i was in a really great relationship about two years um, with a girl from canada but um, we broke up last summer, and partially due to COVID, that was one of the hard parts, like not being able to see each other with the border shut down. And, but we were also at different points in our lives, and we're still really good friends and care a ton about each other. But uh, yeah, at the moment, I'm single, and maybe I'm talking to somebody, but uh, it's too <laughs> early to say much. But, um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm loving life, and, and things are great. But uh, yeah, I, I really do hope to find another relationship, to, you know, someone to share my life with and, and uh, grow old together, you know? <sighs>
0: I love that. You know, uh, before before I say my farewells, you're a professional in this realm. I'm a huge fan of uh, Linda Hamilton's arms in Terminator Two.
1: Okay, those shoulders,
0: like that might be that that might be where I realized I'm into women very very much so. You know what I mean? Like that was one of the turning points for me. How Mm -hmm. do I get those? What's like what's what are some of the exercises? Is there one?
1: Well, shoulders, I mean, obviously, lots of overhead pressing and, and things like that. But I mean, honestly, it just boils down to consistent, you know, consistent hard work in the gym. And, and uh, you know, it's none of the there's no quick, easy fix that all of us want. But, you know, it's uh, time and effort. And But, yeah, lots of shoulder work. And yeah, Linda looked
0: amazing. That. Right. Right. I'm going to get there. I, I am. I, I'm like I'm six right, feet tall. So the body can hold it. OK, like I'm ready for it. <laughs> All Anyways, right. Janae, you're so outstanding. Once again, thank you. Where can all of our viewers and listeners uh, get in touch with you? Where can they find out more about you online?
1: Okay, so on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, it's Janae Marie Croc, um, Janae Croc on Twitter, and then my website, JanaeCroc.com, and that's Croc with a K, K R O C. And then now, and we just have now with the gym opening up, Croc's Gym, and uh, that website as well.
0: Amazing. Janae. thank you so much for today. I, uh, I hope you had some fun too.
1: Oh, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure and I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story with your audience.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And wishing you all the very best. Thank you, Janae.
1: You as well. Bye. Bye.
0: This has been a CAM4 radio production. Come say hi at www.camforradio.com.